God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for just the chance to gather together. What a cool moment to be able to do that on New Year's Eve as a church family um, as we look forward uh, to what you're going to do in the next year. God, let's pray for for, uh, protection. I pray. Father, we know we don't have to ask you to be here. You're here. Your word says that. Um, We're two or three are gathered in your name that you're here. There's a lot more than that here. I just pray, Father, that you would refresh and renew and restore and, man, just breathe life into a lot of dry faith, um, bring healing to those that are hurting. And, uh, God, help me to preach your word and to preach it well. And I wouldn't get in the way, and I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How you guys doing today? It's good to see you guys. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. New Year's Eve. I don't know if that, I'm sure it has happened. I'm sure there's some logical, like, pattern. But I don't remember having service that day, or is it always on a Sunday? I don't really know. Anyone know? It doesn't feel like it. It's just bizarre, right? We had Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve on a Sunday, so I'm really thankful for that. Really thankful to be with you guys. I meant that. So here we are, New Year's Eve, precipice, it's a big word, of a new year. You like that, Jaden? Precipice? I used to read a lot. (laughs) New Year's is interesting to me, and I'm curious if you guys feel the same, because my guess is the room is going to be kind of split here. On the one hand, you know, it's the end, uh, I'm sorry, on the one hand, it's like the beginning of the new year, right? And we're looking forward to that. And that's why we, I guess, we party on those days for that reason. So it's exciting, and there's a party tonight. Anyone doing anything tonight? Raise your hand. Even if it's just at home in your pajamas, but you got your nice pajamas. Anyone? (laughs) All right. Uh, I'm with you, by the way, those that didn't. I, I tend to not do the New Year's thing very often. But on the, so it's, it's like newness and excitement, and then on the other hand, it's the end of something. So it's the beginning of a new year, but you also have to accept the fact that it's the end of the current year. And it's also the end of the holiday season, right? Anyone back to work immediately Tuesday or that's been off for a while? Yeah, <laughs> I can see your sadness. Uh, I get it, man. My job drives me crazy. Uh, <laughs> depending on your personality... And you guys can guess which one I am here, those that know me. You may either feel excitement at the prospects of the new year. Any excitement, people? Like, get it? No? All right. Really? All right, Andy. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. All right, excitement. Raise your hand again if you're one of the excitement people. Okay. You know what drives me crazy here, Jill? Is there going to be people that won't raise their hand either because they just don't want to participate. So I feel for Hannah in school. It never changes. Fourth grade, sixth grade, 65, people don't want to be told to raise their hand. So you might be excited. It's kind of the whole idea of a New Year's resolution, right? Something new, different. I'm excited about what's going to happen. Or you may find yourself feeling a little down. Anyone, anyone there on New Year's? Raise your hand. You're kind of the, the sad one. Anyone just for no reason refuse to raise your hand? Why? Why, Chris? Why? Yeah. Um, I'm going to put all the rest of you in the sad category. Uh, you're kind of feeling down, down or sad at the state of things in your life. Which one do you think? That's me. It's me. That's me. Uh, kind of that feeling sometimes people have that the year is ending the same as it started. You know that feeling? You know, sometimes people get down because they had goals they didn't quite reach or, you know, which in turn, I mean, kind of makes it feel like it was a waste Like, your mind can think that sometimes, right? I didn't lose the 10 pounds I said, so the entire year was a waste, which is ridiculous, but it doesn't feel ridiculous, right? It kind of becomes symbolic of everything else. They've done studies on this time of year, 
You guys know this. And it may come as no surprise that people's levels of stress are incredibly high in December, mid-December through January. In fact, 75% of people, according to one study, say Christmas is stressful. Not joyful, stressful. 55%, which doesn't sound like a lot until you realize it's over half, would say that it's the most stressful time of the year. So a lot of people, what is stress? Stress leads to what? Anxiety. What does anxiety lead to? Well, sadness, depression. It does. Many people find themselves down or depressed during the holidays, and in fact, according to the experts, January is often considered the saddest month of the year. People are more depressed. There's a lot of uh, reasons for this. I've looked into this, Jill. Science. Science is always the answer. I'm just kidding, right? Routines are broken up. That kind of makes sense. Any of you routine people? You like things in order? Yeah, okay. Hands raised for that. Nothing else. Yeah, routines get broken. So when your routines get broken, you kind of get stressed out because you like things a certain way. I never thought of that one. Stress, anxiety, finances, the holidays. This is an interesting one, too, and maybe the case for me sometimes, which you don't, you're not consciously thinking this. Sometimes holidays... Well, actually, before I get to that, one of the interesting ones is they said sort of the idealization of holidays. So like on TV and everywhere you look, they're like, hey, everyone's happy together with their family and delighted. And if you're in that place where it's not exactly like that, you're like, well, something's wrong. Because according to this commercial for Stouffer's, you know, I'm supposed to be incredibly happy and excited and everyone's wearing, you know, Red and black and, and red and black, red, red and green and be Christmas spirit. And when it doesn't match up to that, we tend to get a little down because it reminds us sometimes of the brokenness. Sometimes our fractured relationships get brought up more during the holidays, right? We can't ignore it because everybody's going to be with family. So then all of a sudden, the weight of that, of like, man, I didn't think about that. You add to that. The feeling of not reaching your goals, being stuck in a rut, getting older, and New Year's could, could be a perfect storm of kind of feeling down. So I want to ask you a question before we go on. What is your temperature today? Okay? I'll give you a second. Somebody, don't pull out a thermometer. All right? Lindsay, no. All right. I don't mean I don't mean your literal temperature, but I mean what is the temperature of your being, your heart, your soul? What's the temperature of your life right now? What What's the temperature as we come to New Year's Eve? How are you really feeling? How are you feeling about the past year and the year ahead? Are you excited? That's awesome. I mean that. That's awesome. <clears throat> are you sad? Are you stuck? This might help you. If 10 is I am the best I could be, best I've been, not a made-up version, right? The best that I've ever been. A 1 is the worst. Where are you? Keep it in your mind. Now, I'm not trying to make you down here because there'll be hope here. But if it's a 5 or a 6, now let's look at this in percentage. You're saying you're at a 50 or 60% of satisfaction or joy, or any of those things. You know what I mean? Puts it in perspective, right? Do you feel stuck? You ever feel stuck? That can mean different things, right? Sometimes it's like stuck in a situation. 
You know, maybe you're in a marriage, it's kind of, you know, going, it's rough, or maybe you're in a work, you know, your job is like, oh my goodness, I thought I'd be out of this or be at a new place, or it could be anything. You just feel stuck. I hate feeling stuck. So for me, and I don't know about you guys, where I feel the most stuck is when I do things over and over and over again I don't want to do. You get what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about big sinful things. I mean, even the way I act. Sometimes I'm like, why did I snap at that person? Or why am I a mopey person? You know, like, why do I do these things? Why can't I just wake up, snap my fingers, and be done with that? Because I'm a pretty driven person. If I get on the treadmill, right, and I've decided I'm going to run this long, I'm going to run that long. And so I get mad, and this is part of why I confess I get kind of negative, is I set a goal, and mine are often like ridiculous. Like, I'm going to change every single thing about me in a month, you know? And when I don't reach it, I'm like, well, I'm a failure. Do you feel stuck in neutral? Right? The idea of, you know, you're hitting that gas, the tires are spinning, but you're not going anywhere. Or do you even feel like maybe you've gone in reverse? If you really think about it. In what ways? I don't know. Whatever ways matter to you. <clears throat> when you feel stuck, it's hard to see hope. It is. You ever think you're ready to get deep here? This is just me. I'm not trying to, I'm not just, well, let me say this first and foremost. I'm, a, I'm about to, online, this is bad because they'll like clip this and say that I say you should go get drunk. You know, there, in general, having a drink is not a sin. It's not a sin. Now, you may be convicted by that, and if you are, you should listen to that, right? Just like some people say, I can't watch rated R movies. I already lost some of you. Cool. We'll talk about in Corinthians and we'll be friends again because you're going to see that, right? <clears throat> My, so before I say that, but I'm not, so I'm not condemning this, but do you ever wonder why like the idea of New Year's Eve always in the world involves drunkenness? Why is that? Why is, if it's this big, exciting, awesome time, does it, does it revolve around getting trashed? Must not be too happy if I've got to drink so much I don't remember. Whether it's an addiction, right, when you feel stuck, whether it's an addiction, it's a sinful pattern, it's that same marriage issue, it's loneliness. Maybe you just have that feeling that you're personally stuck in old patterns. I feel that way. I cannot stand the fact that I can know the truth and believe it wholeheartedly and not live it out wholeheartedly. That drives me crazy. It doesn't make sense. Maybe you just have that feeling that you're personally stuck in old patterns. That feeling that comes with the thought of, why am I like this? Why do I keep doing this? I know I do at times. And if you've been around here for a while, meaning at this church, you know that I often talk about <clears throat> making all of this real. Now, real is really popular in our culture. Let's all be real. By the way, let me tell you what the world says. What the world means by real, it's a very subtle shift. What they mean is real means live out of your sinful nature because at least it's genuine. See, some of you all in the room, this is an aside sermon. You think being real, like you take pride in being real and doing whatever you want, but really, let me tell you the truth, you're taking pride in sinning. And you want to justify it by saying, I'm just being me. See, and, and you know, God accepts me how I am. No, no, no. He meets you how you are. He doesn't leave you how you are. That being said, told you, side sermon. <clears throat> real, in this case, I'm talking about this, this, this faith, this book, this stuff 
has to be more than this moment. It has to be more than going to church. It has to be more than reading devotions. It has to be more than, you know, trying not to be very bad. It has to be more than sin management. I'm going to manage my sin the best I can, but it also has to be more than, like, just giving up. And what I'm saying about it, and I'm obsessed with this. In my own personal faith, if you're close to me, I talk about it all the time. It drives me crazy. It's like, I think people don't believe me when I say this. If, if this wasn't real and I knew that tomorrow, I'd walk away. You don't think that would, I would 100% walk away. I'm not that guy. It is real. It is real. And so if it's real, if Christianity is more than sometimes going to church, trying hard to be good, pretending we have it all together, it has to mean more than just the religion of it all, then <clears throat> when I look at the Bible, that's when I get excited. Those moments when I, when I strip away, some of you are going to go, he's saying you don't have to go to church. Nope. I can call you out on this because I was that guy. <clears throat> you need it. Some of you all, just being honest with you, you want, you want your faith to be different? Stop being a punk. I can say that because I'm the same way, and go to church. Whether it's here or somewhere else, find a good church and go regularly to church and get plugged in. I already lost you. You got mad at me. That's fine. I got mad when Andy told me that years ago, right? That's life. <clears throat> it has to be more. So what do I mean by that? Okay, stay with me. That's why people are always like, I'd like to be friends with you. I'm like, no, you wouldn't because this is how I am. I talk like this. <laughs> God is real. Jesus lives. He's not a ghost. The Bible tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God himself. Did you know that? It's not electricity. See, some of you view the Holy Spirit as like, I'll go flip the light switch on and it's what make the, the lights glow. It's not. It's deeper than that. It is God. It is sealed inside of you. Sealed means can't open it, can't separate it anymore. Okay? The Bible tells us we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that what is that? That that power that is sealed within you, Jill that transformed you at the moment of your salvation. You were changed from something dead, a zombie, right? You like zombies? <laughs> to something new. You don't like zombies? Anyway, right? You were transformed. That's what the Bible tells us. I'm, that's just a fact. It says you have been transformed into something new in Christ. If that's true, he says it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Oh, that's cute. But remember, my whole obsession is if this is real, what does that mean? That's not wishful thinking. You believe it or not, if you say in this room you believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, he was raised from the dead, you're a Christian, then you have to accept that this supernatural thing that occurred that brought a dead corpse back to life is sealed inside of you, that same power. Seals inside of me. It's powerful. When I look at the Bible and I see the gospel, it's powerful. It's life-saving and it's life-changing. It's life-changing. The Bible authors, and this is what I mean by real. I just talked to the, to the worship team about this briefly right before we came down. It's probably why we were late. My fault. I try to preach all the time. I got to quit. Anyway, when I read it, I don't see the Bible authors, before I say that, do you know what they lived in, the New Testament writer? Do you understand the life that they lived, everybody says they do. I don't, think you, I don't think I do all the time. They lived in the constant, in a world where they, they could die any minute. In, a, in any minute, they could be killed for what they, and not just by the Romans, the world, but by, if you, they were Jewish, by the Jewish people. 
Either, either way, they could be killed, and they lived in that. And I told, the, I told our team, it's like, I want you to envision right now knowing, as we're singing and worshiping, that if anybody outside hears this, they're coming in with guns, dragging you out, and shooting you in the head. They might give you the choice. This is so fascinating, too. Why do you think they do that? This is so funny back then. They used to give them the choice sometimes. Just renounce this Christ, and I won't kill you. Why would they do that? Because it's deeper than just, just the religion, right? It's deeper than the gathering. It's more than that. They lived in that, that awareness. In fact, all of the disciples except one, I mean the, the, the apostles, were killed and mar- in terrible ways. And here's the crazy thing. Every single one of them, all they had to say, all they had to say, this is my evidence of you that's like, oh, it's not real. You're crazy. All they had to say was, it didn't happen. What you said you saw didn't happen. And if they said that, they'd let them go. And, they, and we're talking, like, I can't even tell you some of the vile ways they died. I mean, sawed in half, you know, all these things, and it's like halfway through, they go, hey, I can end it quick. Not just, we've already started. I can take your pain right now. All you got to do is tell me, tell me that, that it didn't happen. Just say the truth that it was a lie, and they were willing to die for it. They lived in that, and it ended up being true for, for many of them, the early church fathers. The Bible, but here's what I see when I read the New Testament, both in Acts and all the writings of Paul. The Bible authors don't seem to just walk around with their heads down, dragging their feet slowly towards heaven. They don't do that. They didn't sit around and go, I'm going to be killed, maybe, but I'll go, God. No, they didn't. They seem to somehow live in joy and freedom and excitement at what's to come. That's so interesting. But what I just say, it's possible they're going to get killed. In fact, the apostles themselves were killed. So what were they looking forward to? Their deaths? No. No. They were real, real humans. I think we have a tendency to think they kind of floated like, oh, right? And they're glowing like Goku. Hey, I'm hip, right? No, that didn't happen. They lived in joy and freedom and excitement despite the circumstances. Paul's life is a crazy testament to that. It's not, it's not like his life, by the way, while he was serving was delightful. Like sometimes I, I've heard this numerous times lately. Oh, that's just my day. You ever had that? You spill something. This guy's day of where his, his moments of just my day is getting spit by a snake and stung by a scorpion. All right? Let that, like it's not just spilling his coffee. It's like, oh, that's my day cobra biting me, you know? They live in joy and freedom and excitement. And, when, and somehow in the midst of their trials, in the midst of living in this kind of world, they're constantly reminding us through their lives and through their words that God is good and that he's still moving, that he's active, that he's still moving in our lives as they write to us today. But here's the thing, Jill, I'm picking on you today, right? He's moving in your life. Now everybody in the room says, "Mm mm-hmm, because you've been taught to do that because it's church time. And in an hour, you'll walk out, and most of the time we forget. But I'm, I'm asking you today, it's New Year's, right? Let that sink in for a second, if that's true, that he is good. Now, here's where the questions come. If he's good, why X, Y, Z? I get it, me too. He's God, you're not. You don't see the whole picture yet. We'll get to that. He's still moving in your life. So he's good. 
If you put your faith in Jesus, he loves you. And he sealed you with a power, a supernatural power, Jacob. I know your engineer, like mine, probably doesn't like, right? like that. But that's a fact, a supernatural power. And that he's still moving in your life. He didn't just make you new once. You're clean. Now go be perfect. They tell us that he's moving in your life, that you have access to the God of the universe, that in Christ you're not just saved, but are loved, seen, cared about, listened to, and not alone. Now you have two options. You can go, oh, here we go. I'm not alone, but I feel alone. Stop obsessing and worshiping your feelings. And I say that as a very passionate person or unstable, whatever you want to call it. Holy Spirit power lives within me and you. If, you, if you've accepted Christ. Now, if you're in the room and you're just one of those dudes it's, and, or ladies, it's like, yeah, Jesus in church is cool. You may not have it. And so you're kind of trying to win a race like with your legs tied up. You're trying to like live a life not powered to do it. Let me tell you something. Even Christians that are empowered to be Christians aren't very good at it. You think you're going to be good at it with no juice? You're not. That's what religion is. That's what Pharisees thought. I can be good enough. So what does this all mean? Todd, you were talking about, I don't understand here, I'm lost. We're talking about sadness and New Year's, and now you're talking about real, and now you're talking about juice, right? Sometimes it makes sense. We'll see. Lord, this makes sense. It means that, what that means, okay, it means that you don't have to sit tonight watching a ball drop stuck in your sadness. Okay, maybe that didn't reach everyone out. I'll say, it I'll say something different. You don't have to sit and watch a ball drop and be stuck in your apathy, in your good enough, in this is just life. What are you trying to forget? You don't have to sit and make a resolution knowing you won't be able to keep it. You don't have to sit and drown in your perceived failings over the year. You do have hope. You have hope for better days, hope for change, hope for something new. But here's the thing. Hope in the Bible isn't what we believe hope is. We view hope as, you ready? I wish it would happen. Hope is your four-leaf clover. i got to go find a lucky rabbit's foot, and just maybe if I throw a coin in the, in the wishing well with a rabbit's foot and a back, you know, spin around six times, things will maybe happen. No, hope in the Bible is described not as a delusional maybe that could happen or wishing on a fallen star. Instead, it actually is the confidence that God is and will come through. In Isaiah, it's kind of interesting. I wasn't planning this. If you looked at our series coming into Christmas, we read in Isaiah about the Messiah that was coming. And there's a lot. Isaiah's interesting because he kind of hops from like, hey, someone's coming. You've done a lot of stupid things, Israel, and you're being punished for it. But the Messiah's coming, but you've also done dumb things, right? And this reminder and this, this tension. Does that sound like anybody? It's me. <laughs> in chapter 42, he talks about, Isaiah talks about the Messiah coming again. And there's this hope. And then 43, and all throughout, it's kind of like, listen, you didn't keep your promise to me. There was a conditional covenant sometimes that Jesus made, meaning, hey, if you do this, I'm going to help your land prosper. That's different than the, 
Then the big covenant, okay, we'll get to that. Hey, if you do this, this will happen. Let me make it easier for you. You make a covenant with your car in a way, right? I put gas in you, you drive. What happens if you don't put gas in it? It doesn't drive, okay? So in this case, this conditional covenant, they'd broken it. They worshiped false gods. They did things, right? And he said, if, as long as you follow me, trust me, believe me, let me be your God, don't, don't be influenced by this world. Don't try to follow them. If you do those things, you will prosper. They didn't. So guess what happened? As a natural consequence, it's no different than jumping off this building. You can jump off the building, flap your wings, put on a chicken suit. I guess they don't even really fly, right? Eagle suit. You're going to hit the ground. That's a fact. The same thing. And then he says something interesting in the midst of this judgment. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Listen to this. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it is coming. <laughs> I love it. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, and I will make rivers in the desert. A way in the wilderness is not just like, oh, there's a which path. It's like you're stuck in a deep, dark woods with nowhere to go, or you're in the desert, and he said, I will show you the way. And that while in the midst of like you mess things up and you're living in that a little bit right now. And he says to Israel, he says, but this person that is coming to you, it's going to be different than you've ever thought. It's not going to be the old way, the old covenant that's tied to you. It's not going to be what you're used to. He says, don't remember that. Don't worry about it because I'm about to do something new. Tough times are not going to last forever. I still love you and I'm making a new way partially because you couldn't do well in the old way. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, New Testament, you ready? Listen to this. Before this section, Paul talks about the fact that we're sinful. You're sinful. We do silly, messed up things all the time, even after knowing Christ. He says, from now on then, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. <clears throat> even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. I'm going to read it, my version here that I have. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen to what this echoes. Jill, ready? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what I love about God. The message doesn't change. I was an Old Testament God. I used to have family members who said that. It's the same God. It's explaining it to them in the way I understand. Isn't that the same thing? Hey, hey. Worrying about the old has passed away. Behold, that new that I told you was coming is here. So, if God has made you a new creation, listen to me. Those of you who put your faith in Jesus, as we come the new year, you're stuck, you're neutral. Do you think He transformed you into something new just to leave you living like the old one? Oh, that's wordy. That's me rewinding. Right? If God has made you a new creation, do you think He transformed you into something new? just so he could leave you living like the old you. That he made something new to leave it in the old, and then do you think it's a one-time thing? You're a new creation. You're on your own. That's a one-time renewal? He washes you one time and then leaves you? See, no one's nodding their heads right now, but a lot of you live in that. Because why else would you be ashamed? Because you thought 
hey, he cleans me once, but if I get dirty again, that's it. That's the end. Or if I'm just stuck, right? He expects more of me. I haven't moved forward. This is what I am. Listen to me right now. You're not stuck. You're not finished. You're not hopeless. You're blessed. And you don't have to live in the uncertainty of maybe resolutions. You don't have to live in that. You can live in the, in the certainty, certainty. Listen, if you're already in the church, man, this one, I'm going to say this again. You might as well pay attention. You're already sitting here. You waste my time, yours. I don't know why you play this game. You came here for a reason, so that voice is distracting you and the party that's irritated at me because I made a loud noise and you want to fight me, come meet me after. But beyond that, right, listen to me. I'm just trying to get you to see the same thing I said at the beginning. If it's real to you and, and you're here for a reason, so even if you're not a believer, there's some part of you that's at least interested then I, I'm going to tell you right now, do you think it's easy always? You think, that you, you, you think I don't get distracted up here? I look out at the crowd and there's a mixture of happy people in this. Like there's times it's very hard for me. And then some of you all are kind of threatening, right? You kind of look at me like if you could get away with it, you're going to either like shoot me with a pellet gun or like fight me. And I'm, there's fight or flight and I'm not flight. So part of me is like, let's chuck this on the ground and get it over with, Right? So I get distracted too, but we have, to, we have to like be present because you have an enemy, right? And you have a world that doesn't want you to hear. They don't want you to listen. They don't want you to take anything out of this. Or what's it going to do? You think it's just by distracting what I talk about? No, it's going to distract you with everything that's gone wrong in this service. It's going to distract you with everything that I'm doing wrong. It's going to distract you with whoever's beside you and what they've done wrong. Anything it can do to stop you from being here. And some of you all who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, choose to live weak and let it happen. Fight. You're not hopeless. You're blessed. You don't have to live in the uncertainty of maybe resolutions, but you can live in the uncertainty of being new this coming year. It can, and it can start right now. New in what way? I don't know. But you and God do. You know the areas in your life that you're, you're down about or you're stuck or you're ashamed or you're just hopeless or you're angry. Some of you all get angry. You don't even know how to be sad, so you're just angry about it. It can start right now because guess what? I just told you this. That's what God is in the business of. He's in the business of making things new, Trent. But do you want new or do you want old? Because that's the wild thing about God is he'll let you choose. He'll let a new creature choose to live in an old way. You think that hurts him? It does, his heart, but does it affect his holiness, his life? No, it's you. It's being thirsty and drinking salt water when he said there's fresh water right over here. He's in the business of making things new, new beginnings, new hope, new joy, new creations. So today we're going to look at a big section. Big, that's what my daughter says. Big, that's how she says everything. That and don't hit daddy. Anyway, <laughs> thinks about that way more than I, I want her to. <laughs> See, she's fighting. She probably had that thought of like, hit daddy. No hit daddy. That's what some of you all need to do. No be distracted, right? Whatever you got to do. We're going to read a section where Paul, and it's going to seem kind of like not connected, but I think it is because what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about and it's so general. I don't care what change you want to make. I don't care if you need to completely transform your life. I don't care if you just need to not be stuck in neutral. I don't care if you just want to stop being apathetic. I don't care if you want to shift from reverse into, into first. It doesn't really matter. If we look at this and we do this, 
your life will be new and begin to look new. And here's the thing before we go on. This is a tool for you in here. It may, you, may, you have to live new for a while before you feel new. Get it? We understand that concept. You got to live and eat healthy before you become healthy. You get what I'm saying? You don't just go, I'm on a diet, I'm going to get fit, and now all of a sudden you look like the rock. By the way, no one came without steroids. Anyway, <laughs> I said it, rock. You're on steroids. All right. Yeah, thank you. Somebody shocked out there, what? Yeah. Humans don't look like that at 58 or whatever. <laughs> like, Why did I say that? I don't know. Anyway, if we focus on this and you do these things, regardless of where you're at, change will come. Do you believe that? See, that's the thing. I'm already going to lose you because what you want is you want me to come up here and you want me to be, and that one, I'm not, I don't think I'm charismatic enough. You want me to be these mega pastor dudes that have some new way to say an old thing. I don't need to. The old things lead to new. You understand? Old in this sense. You got to listen. Okay? Whenever I try to add stuff, you already know. It don't go well, right? So this section, we need to focus and listen, and I guarantee you two things. I already told you one. If you make these changes and listen to it and not just suggestions, but you make changes that the Apostle Paul is going to talk about here, your coming year, there is no possible way by the end of the next year that your life will not be new and different. Impossible. And two, I don't care what situation you're in, you're in. There's something for every single person in this room in what I'm about to read. You guys asleep? Trent, can you smile? Uh, that's close enough. It's sort of a scowl, but I'll take it. Anyway, it's a big section. And then I'm, we're going to read that, and then I am going to do... I'm going to give you some love here. I'm going to put this into a five-point little list, kind of wrap it up, okay? You with me? Yeah. Nice. Just me and you, Jaden. All right. And Norman somewhere back there. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32. Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus. I always say this. There's a lot in common between the old church and the new. Zeke, you can't put it up yet. They're already not paying attention to me. It's not his fault. I'm hard to keep up with. It's like Norman says on the camera. It's like Big Buck Hunter. I'm back and forth. He doesn't know where I'm at. That's the truth. If you've ever watched it, I'm out of frame a lot. You want to know some secret? They put tape here. I know where I can go and where I can't. Watch. Out. In. Come and get me. Out. In. See? I can't go past the tape. It was either that or a chain, so we went with the tape. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus. They're in the same situation as you. They're surrounded by a world that doesn't want them to believe this and live this. The same thing happens. What, what should encourage you is these people lived within the lifetime of the apostles, meaning they were within years of it happening, and they still struggled even though they were watching some miracles happen. When Paul came to town, crazy stuff happened because God had to prove that he was in it. Okay, and they still struggled. So my point in saying that, there could be an encouragement here that like, hey, there had to be reminders for them just like there are for us. And we have to do more with it than just listen. That's why, I'll give you a clue. Why did Jesus say this phrase all the time in the Gospels? Let those who have ears to hear listen. There's a difference between hearing sound and listening. 
Which one are you going to do today? You're going to hear sound or you're going to listen? Me too. All right, starting at verse, let's listen to this. So he's telling them, I want to read the whole thing, I can't do that. He's, he's speaking to this church, and this is what he says, Ephesians 4. And actually, this section in your Bible might say living the new life, interestingly. Ephesians 4, starting at chapter, se- oh, sorry, chapter 4, starting at verse 17 through 32, if you're on your electronic. All right, Zeke, we're good. My bad, buddy. <clears throat> Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. Essentially, he's saying, hey, the Lord's saying this. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Some of you, I need to stop. Gentile, I don't walk, I don't walk gently. I, I walk hard. Now, that's not what it means. It means don't walk like the world does. Who's the world? You already know. The people around you, the systems in place that don't follow Jesus Christ. In the, now listen to this. No longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. That's so fascinating. He's saying they think they're right and their, their, their idea of life is futile, meaning it doesn't lead to anything. They think they know and they don't. They are darkened in their understanding. They think they know, but they can't. Excluded from the life of God. Remember how I told you you are connected in Christ, that you are empowered and a new creation and have life? They don't. They don't have it. They, aren't, they don't have the juice, and yet they're trying to figure this life out outside of the creator. It's like a branch, I said this before, snapped off a tree laying on the ground saying, I don't know why I'm not growing fruit. Why am I not growing healthy leaves? I don't believe in the tree. So what? You're a branch. They're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And listen, because this is convicting. And because of the hardness of their hearts. What do you think hardness shows itself as? You ready? You have no interest in God. You have no interest in church. You're grumpy. You're mad. You're not listening. You're zoned out. You're critical. You got a hard heart. Believers can have a hard heart. What, how? Well, they start living like the world enough, start listening to the world, start listening to Oprah. Next thing you know, you got a hard heart and you wonder why your faith's dead. They became callous. Man, I love that. Hardened. If your heart's hardened long enough, it's a callous. I got these gross calluses on my hands right here. Just pick at them. You ever do that? Anyway, right? These gross <laughs> Some people are like, ew, yeah, I know. These calluses. That's what I that It's so easy for me. Like, that's, that's our hearts sometimes. That's their hearts. That's why you ever wonder why they're so mad at church and Christianity and God. They're, they're calloused. Are you calloused? Has this past year calloused your heart a little bit? They became callous and gave themselves over. I gave myself to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. They go and they run and they just, they're chasing something and they just choose sin over and over because they want more and more. Why do they want more and more? Because they're desperate for something to give them life. And if a little bit made me a little happy, maybe a lot of bit will make me content. Stick with me. There's tangible things. But that is not how you came to know Christ. It's a beautiful thing. That's not you. Assuming you heard about him or taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Boy, that's convicting. The implication here is there's people that were going to hear this in the church in Ephesus who were, who were not taught by him. That's some of people in this room. I'm just being honest. I know it. There are people in this room who would say they're a Christian, but you have never truly given your life to Christ. You have never truly committed yourself to following him. And that's why you get frustrated and irritated and why it seems like a strange game. Because it's either a set of rules you're trying to do on your own or it is a God who transforms you into something new. 
Those are two of the Gospels right there, right? One is real and one isn't. I, he said, so there's this, uh, I assume, assuming you heard about him or taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, listen, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. He's saying that to, to Christians. Why would he say that? All right, I'm going to stop there a minute. That means even as a Christian, you have a choice between every day, between putting on that old ratty coat of the old you that was from the world or putting on what God has gifted you with that is new. Guys, this is something that's so crucial in Christianity because we want it easy. You can't have free will and it be easy. You have to choose every day. You open that closet. You only got two of them. Isn't that wild to think? I bet you got more than that, Jill, right? But symbol, right? You got two things. You got two coats. You got two ways of life in that closet. You too. I don't care if you're young or you're old. Every day you wake up, you putting on that old ratty jacket? Are you putting on the new? And what happens, right? You're renewed in the spirit of your minds. Renew. It's got to become new again. Sometimes that's why we get discouraged, right? <laughs> Imagine if I did that the whole time. Some of you all do that to me this entire time. I'm just going to start doing that. You say amen or something, I go, <laughs> Literally, that's you. You think I can't see you? <laughs> I'm saying all I'm doing. Is it annoying you yet, Krista? Yeah? It happens all the time. Moving on. And then somebody's mad. It's like, I can't help that I'm tired. I get it. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> And to be renewed by the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. You want to be renewed? You want a new year? You got to live new. Put on the new. The one what? What's the new one? The one created according to God's likeness. You mean my version of what Jesus is? What the world tells me is? No, no, no. His likeness. He's the one that chooses who he is. He is the one that says what I am. That is the one. That is the only one that renews. There's a lot of people that slap the name Jesus on their own made up God. And then they wonder why they're not new. You're not new because it's a powerless, dead, pathetic puppet Jesus that isn't real. You got to put on Jesus as he himself says he is. We live in a world that wants to redefine everything and they lie to you and say that's what love is. Love is not allowing you to dictate truth. We know that because we watch little kids. If that's the case, there'd be a lot of dead babies because they want to do things like put their fingers in light sockets and jump and try to flip backwards off of couches and get out of windows and cars, right? They want to do stuff that we say they can't do because it isn't good for them. Imagine a world in which they say that a good parent lets a child do whatever they want, become whatever they want. We don't, even let, we don't even let them drive yet. But they can decide what they are, not just who they are. Is he talking about that? Yeah, I am. You can get mad, and you might be a young person in the room that's mad because I'm saying it. I'm sorry I love you enough to tell you the truth. There's nothing wrong with you. Put on the new one according to God's likeness who he really is, in righteousness and purity of the truth. The only way you find that is God. Therefore, here's your tangible stuff. 
This is going to seem so simple, but I start thinking about if I live this out every day. Therefore, putting away lying, I like that. It's, it changes it from like, don't lie, right? Because that's like, I don't lie. Everyone says they don't lie. Y'all lie. We all do, and it's weird, right? We lie about little things all the time. <clears throat> put away the lying. Just, just put it over here. Don't put it on. Just put it over here. Speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Neighbor, by the way, is not just the person who lives next to you, though it is. It's the person next to you right now. Be angry and do not sin. How beautiful is that for people like me? Woo! <laughs> you can be angry and not sin. That's the part that gets me. Um, I got no problem with that first one. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let anger control you and lead you to sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Well, I like to sleep it off. Moving on. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Well, that's weird. What is that actually tied to? Don't let the sun go down in your anger. If you do that, you're giving the devil an opportunity. To what? Create bitterness, distance. See this in married couples all the time. Well, we decided to talk, you know, actually we. There's not a we. One of the two of you decided you weren't talking about it anymore tonight and went to bed. Mm, weird. Yeah, somebody's like, yep, that's me. And when you do that, you're giving the devil an opportunity. That's a fact. I already, I love knowing somebody in the crowd's arguing with me. Like, I wrote this. I love it. I love it so much because, you know, I'm evil probably, but I'm not. I just love the fact some of you all are trying in your mind to intellectually argue with your creator. Well, that's not true. Oprah said it's fine. I don't care. You want to know the real reason you don't want to deal with it? Because you don't want to deal with it. Okay? Being real, it's just an aside, right? Listen, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he has to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. It's convicting for me. I don't necessarily walk around and cuss all the time, but the negative of a driven nature, and I mean this, I say a lot of bad things about myself, but like I'm pretty driven. I'm goal-oriented. I want to get there. The issue with that is I can sometimes put my own standard on other people. And so the first thing I say when I walk into a room, even though I'm not thinking bad, is pointing out, well, hey, we're supposed to be here. Why aren't you here? Why aren't you doing this? Why is this not perfect, right? That's the message that I can give. That's not building people up. Do you build people up? How about if I flip it? If you're only supposed to speak in ways, by the way, that you can tell people the truth. Like, there's a way to come in the room and say to change that builds them up. That's a fact. Jesus does it to us. But maybe this will help convict all of us. Does everything you say push people towards good? And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed for him. There we go again. Sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness. Ooh. We'll skip this one. There's no bitter people in here. Anger and wrath. Shouting and slander. A lot of slander, man, in the church today. But we, can, we justify it by saying those are the bad Christians, so I can talk bad about them. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. That's just, that's just that the overall feeling of hate and wanting bad for people. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. What's the forgiveness look like? Just as God also forgave you in Christ. How does he forgive you? One time? Two times? Does he forgive you but not let you forget? 
Now, some people in the room take that and then you say, you, you know, you wrong your spouse or your brother or sister and you say that they're never allowed to talk to you about the hurt because you said sorry. You're a manipulator. That's not true. There's a difference, right, between holding something over someone's head and processing things sometimes. But some of you in the room, you are that. I forgive you. I'm going to poke you every day and remind you. You do that? You a nag? You a tyrant? You a bully? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also gave you in Christ. So I read a lot there, okay? <clears throat> yeah? Is there a lot there, Jacob, you think? Just like messing with Jacob. He just, he just loves being made the center of attention. I love you, dude. So at the end of the day, that's a big list, but I guarantee if you were truly listening, before I even get to the whole point, something in there got you. What was it? You don't have to say it. Nothing? Yeah, it did. It got me. Now, I want you to think for a second, everyone. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're one of the people that's like, my life's been a nine this year. Praise God. You can have good years, man. That's good. But I want you to think nine, nine person, that if you truly did this for a year, did what? All of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I didn't even say 100%. I'm going to do my best to put away a line. I'm going to do my best not to scream and shout. Do my best not to talk trash about people all the time behind their back. I'm going to do my best to forgive, my best to love, my best to be compassionate. Kind of serious. If you made that a goal and you did that for 365 days, is there any possible way that by the end of the year you are not something new? I'm serious. Now, some of you... I love you. I don't want to use the word delusional, but I already said it. Some of you, maybe that won't speak to you, so I'll say it a different way. <clears throat> Do you follow him? Some of you need to break it down to just start, I'm going to be kind. I mean, just imagine, just imagine just one of them. What, if you just took 25 through 32, put it in your car, on your mirror, put it at your, on your work computer, hung it up in your house, whatever, and every day on your phone, and you looked at that, and you made a conscious effort to do these things, how would your life look? Let me tell you something that's going to blow you away, because some of you are going to go, well, well uh, my marriage isn't necessarily going to be better, that's true, or my relationship with my kids, or my coworkers still going to be a jerk, that's true, that may be, but I promise you, and I'll say it now, there will be a change in their interaction with you. There will be some kind of change. They can't, even if the change is they don't want to be around you because they're going to be reminded of what they are. At the end of the day, when you live that way, you're going to draw people that are of the light and push people away that aren't. But see, here's the thing. I'm going to stop talking and get done early here, and you're going to walk away and not take that serious because you want a sound bite. Right? I even thought, you, wanna, you want me to come up with a cool, catchy saying that will remind you so you don't have to what? Work. Let's just think. Put away lying. Speak the truth. Don't sin in your anger. Don't ignore opportunities to make things right. Don't steal. Do honest work and help people with that money. Don't let foul language come out of your mouth, but try to focus on saying things that are good. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. How do you grieve it? By not living according to the spirit that's sealed within you. Even that, follow him, do what he said to do, and you'll be happier. Let all bitterness and anger, stop being bitter, stop being angry, stop being uh, vindictive, stop shouting, stop gossiping and slanderous against people, stop being hateful, be kind and compassionate, forgive people. 
Do that for one year. But here's what you're going to do, many of us, and I do it too. You're going to walk out of here, and you're going to focus on all the people that aren't doing that to you. And the more you focus on people being mean to you, right, cruel to you, when you focus on the things you don't have, the more, right, the, the more you're going to forget these things. This isn't religion. This is God speaking to us, telling us how to have life that matches the inside. You get what I mean? You're sealed. It's not, it's not rocket science. We want it to be something new because we're given all these new options to happiness and all these new things we can take to be better, but it's very simple. If you do those things, I want you to think of what I said at the beginning when I said, are you stuck? Be honest with yourself. If are any of these things, if you committed to any of these things, would it be possible that you'd no longer be stuck even a little bit? I got a list for you. We'll wrap it up. You're just going to leave that hanging, Todd? I'll try to wrap it up a little. Read it. Living new. I want to leave you with living new in a way that isn't just a hopeful resolution, isn't a doubtful promise to yourself, but a empowered, Holy Spirit-empowered way to live new. A lot of times, guys that are guys and gals that are members of this church, I want to say something. My heart's very evangelistic, and what that means is because I didn't, wasn't raised in the church, I remember all too well what it is to not live, to not have this. And that sometimes drives my frustration, the people that say I don't like Christians. You're probably right, I do, but I just think of you so highly that you can't even fathom it. And even as I say that, isn't it funny? My mind literally says you. I don't even sometimes view myself as a part of it because that's how incredible you are. And so a lot of times, even in our sermons, I bet you guys will catch, I, I don't even, it, I'm preaching to you, but I'm also preaching to that person in the room that doesn't know Jesus, right? I've had that been told to me before, and I want, I want you to hear me. I'm talking to that person, but today, especially today, I'm talking to you. Remnant Church, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the people that, all of you, because you're here for a reason, but the members of this church, I'm talking directly to you, okay, to bring you encouragement and hope and, and, and make this real so that we can really be the remnant still, right, what we talk about, and not just let it become a catchphrase that loses power and we become like every other church in the world, not the good ones, <laughs> right? So, hear that today. I'm talking to us. Living new. Number one, very simple. Stop doing old things. Stop doing old things. This is one of those moments where I want to use a real life example of someone, and I shouldn't because they haven't told me I have permission, but I guess I can because it's encouraging, and if they get mad at me, they get mad at me. Matt Ludy. See, he's not expected. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to single him out. Don't look over here. Too late. <laughs> if you know who Matt is, this dude probably thinks people don't notice, but he's, he came to this realization at some point in the last few months, and, and he's living it, right? And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not pretending. That's why I haven't made a big deal about it, but it's encouraged me, right? Because he said, and he, he'd been just kind of preaching it to people. on He's like, listen, you want something new? Stop doing old things. You're saying the same thing. That's incredible, right? And I haven't even talked to him about this, but you can come to this realization and say something about the, you know, old things, right? And I'm not calling out his even past life, but I don't know a situation. But what a cool thing to see a guy say, I want something even better than what I had, and the only way to do that is to do something new, right? 
he shared that meme or something recently. He said the same thing. Weird timing, isn't it? He shared that, right? Hopefully you're not mad about this because it's really encouraging. Number one, though, listen, stop doing old things. You want to be different. You want a faith that's alive? Stop doing old things. What's old things? You already know. Stop doing them. You know what they are. I don't know what they are. You know what they are. Stop doing old things. Well, Todd does old things. Okay. I'm miserable. You want to be miserable? <laughs> Do something new. I hear that all the time. Well, Todd's a big, big, chubby, idiot jerk. Okay, great, man. Uh, you can be miserable with me. What? <laughs> like, you see how crazy you sound? I'm not going to be better because Todd's not better. You're a crazy person, right? Be better. Be new. Am I talking to you? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Who, me? Is he singling me out? Yeah, let's just pretend I am. You, stop doing old things. That's the first thing. Stop. Oh, my gosh, I got I to gotta be perfect? No, did I say that? Does this say be perfect? No, it says stop doing old things. Stop it. Moving on. And that includes, I got to say it, you guys in the room that don't know Jesus, but you pretend you do, but you know you really don't, stop doing old things. Stop doing the same thing. You want real life? Do something different. Stop doing old things. Oops, gave you a clue. Number two, put on newness. Do different. Do the do. You like that? That's for you, Jericho. Do the do. The handy little... You, you, you scowl at me, dude. I will come down there and put the camera on you right now, right? Do something different. So take, stop doing old things. You ready? Stop doing old things, but we don't stop there. Now we put on newness and we do something different. So some of you, you know, your faith is dry, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. It's not because you're even necessarily in this big sinful place, and that's probably why you're like, I don't understand. It's because, for lack of a better word, I'm going to use cool new words. You're not leveling up. You've been in the faith for a while, and you've stayed where you're at, right? And you're, you're in your little box, like that movie, right? In your little box. What's that movie called? Hitch, thank you, right? He's teaching him how to dance. He's like, you stay in the box. That's what you do. You stay in the box the whole time dancing, Right? And you got to start breaking out and doing something different. God's calling you to take a bigger step forward. God's calling you to be more bold. God's calling you to step in community. God's calling you to, to, to step into ministry. God's calling you to be more bold at school. God's calling you to do something different and new. And that's going to look diff uh, different for each of us because there's different areas that we do naturally well at being new and areas we don't. we got to be new. Take off the old, put on new. Do different. Now, here's the part you're not going to like. Some of you in the room, I just know it. The sermon's a real thing. This, the Holy Spirit's telling you right now, knocking at the door, saying this is the thing you need to stop doing. Here's the thing you need to start doing, and you're already coming up with excuses that that's not what he wants you to do because you like it. Stop basing your life on what you like and what is fun and even what makes you feel happy. A lot of things in this world that can make me happy real short term doesn't mean that it's good long-term. Stop doing old things. Put on newness. Do different. Number three, we're kind of building here. Commit to Jesus. Over and over and over, Jesus shows up. You ready? Listen, this is, I'm telling you guys, this is so crucial, and I have to remember it all the time. He comes up, and he says, okay, put down your nets, your fishermen. Stop doing the same thing. Follow me. Rich young ruler comes to him and says, hey, what do I do to, to have eternal life, to be like you, to be where you're at? And he says, okay, here's all the commandments you can do. And he said, I've done all those. And he goes, you're right, you have. Here's what I want you to do. Sell all your possessions and what? Follow me. Every time he meets someone, he doesn't just tell them to change their life. He doesn't just tell them to stop doing stuff. He says, follow me. 
Commit to Jesus. Believers in the room, you know what that means. Commit to him. Commit to him. Give yourself a year. Why not? You're saved. We're not talking about salvation issues here. We're talking about life. Do you want life to the full? Commit to him. Follow him. Go where he goes and don't go where he doesn't and do what he says to do. Even if it doesn't make sense and even if you don't want to, God honors that kind of faith. Faith is not found just in what we like and naturally want to do. Faith isn't even found in what makes sense by the world's standards sometimes. Faith is following him. It doesn't make sense to get up on a Sunday morning and come in a group with a bunch of people and sing songs and listen to some random hobo talk to you. Right? It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about your obedience to follow God. Number four, as you do those things, and this is the difference between little bursts of faith and a life of a disciple. Trust God and his process. I'm going to use words in the gym or sports, right? You've heard it before. Coaches in the room, I bet you said it. Trust the process. When a coach says that to someone, a lot of times what it means is, I understand that this drill to you is stupid, isn't fun, and doesn't make sense, right? How does this relate to the game? Trust the process. Trust that what you're being taught and told to do is going to lead to long-term improvement and change in the game. So you need to trust God in his process even if you're not seeing the newness right away. Get what I mean? Give you another example. I'll say it again. Weight loss. Weight loss, fitness, let's call it fitness. Fitness, getting healthy. The reason people let it go is because they get hyped up by this, this diet culture and this, this you know, culture of looking at people on steroids and all this kind of stuff. And what they end up thinking is, is they do something even for a month, maybe two months, and then they go, why don't I look like the rock? Okay? Well, two things. One, you're comparing to the wrong person. And two, it's consistency. It's consistency day after day after day, right? That's why people do progress pictures. Can you imagine? Like, you got, it's, it's long term. And I'm just putting it in ways we can understand. When you start eating different, you eat it healthy, it's going to be, that change is going to show not the first week even. That's my problem. I'll train like I used to when I was actually a fit athlete, and I'm like, well, I'm going to look in the mirror, and I'm going to be exactly where I was when I was 22 last year. And I look in there, and I don't look like that. Right? It's consistency. So here's the thing. Following Jesus, and God tells us that sometimes we're on the mountaintops, and those are great moments. Sometimes we're in the valleys, but we trust that where he's leading us is good, and he's not going to leave us as orphans. Trust God. Trust his process, but it can't be one time. And that means when you stumble, you don't just give up and say, well, I trusted you and I messed up. You stand back up and you keep walking. Number five, this is one that I'm such a believer in and, and, the, and our churches today and me, I mean, we can get caught up in self-improvement. The Christian faith's interesting. The improvement of our lives is not going to come just from improving ourselves. Our contentment is not gonna come just from improving ourselves. It's not. But that's different than the world. We are content when we do what we were made to do, which is love God and love people. We need to live outward lives. What does that mean? Stop focusing constantly on your imperfections, your failings. Stop focusing on what you're, you don't have in your life and what you want in your life. And start focusing on what other people don't have in their life and the needs you can meet in their lives. Stop worrying about if that coworker is a jerk to you every day and getting mad and, and bitter about it. And focus on being a joy and a light to them. 
The testimony isn't being a joy and a light when they're a joy and a light to you. Jesus says even enemies, even evil people love their friends. He said, I'm telling you to love your enemies. Be different. Live outward lives. Serve people. Love people. Stop focusing on your relationships all the time even. Stop focusing on what's making you happy. Stop focusing on, you know, just stop focusing on you and start focusing outward on others. And the craziest thing is when we do that, when we look and live our lives to meet the needs of others and to follow God, I promise you this is true. Our problems, our discontent, our sadness begins to shrink. It doesn't make sense, but it's the truth. And you know what's crazy? The world's psychology's found that. They found that to be true because that's how we're wired. Even non-safe people live happier, more content lives when they don't live their lives just focused on them, but on serving and loving. Does that make sense? Live outward lives. Live a life that is dedicated to, even in the midst of your brokenness and hurt, you can still love someone else. You can still be a joy and encouragement to someone else. And I know that's hard, but you can do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's going to come up and play some music. Mandy is. And I, got, I, I went long, and I'm sorry. Listen, you don't, I want to leave you with this today. New Year's Eve's coming. You don't serve the God of old things. You don't. It's not even what he's called. He's not called the, imagine that. Hello, I am the God of old things. You serve the God of new things. Behold, I'm doing something new. One time, no. You serve the God of new things and of new beginnings, not just once. You know, he found David, the shepherd boy, and let him do this miraculous thing, and he killed a giant, and then he went, and, you know, he followed and established this kingdom, and, oh, great, it's new, and then David fell, and he sinned, and he made mistakes, and guess what? God renewed him again. Why? Why was David a man after God's own heart? Because of his perfection? Because of the fact that he never messed up? No, it's because he didn't stay down. He didn't focus even on his failings. He focused on God. He gives you new beginnings. He gave a new beginning to Peter. I called him the, he called him the rock. He didn't act like a rock. He ran away, right? He said, I don't know you. And Jesus came to him again and said, remember what I told you? You'd be the corner of my church. He said the same thing, right? That you'll be the rock of my church. He comes and says, feed my sheep. You think you fail, but the job I've given you is still yours. Some of you need to hear that. You failed and you think that the calling he has in your life just went away? That's not what he does. New beginnings. He loves you as much today as he did the first day you put your faith in him. Did you know that? Whether you were 6, 15, 35, 75, it doesn't matter. The day that you found him, that moment when you felt clean and loved, that, that powerful moment, maybe that's the only one you've ever had in your faith and you just felt different. He loves you as much right now as he did then. What does Jesus say, this beautiful thing in John chapter 14? I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming back to you. And in the meantime, what's incredible in that promise, he said, I'm leaving you with a counselor. I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. He's with you and you're already new and empowered to live new. Hear me, you're not alone. It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. It's not even apathetic. But here's the thing. Will you put on the new this year? Will you do it? Will you put on the new? Or do you want to just put on that ratty old cloak again for another 365 days and then wonder why things don't feel new? Got to be different. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you the gospel fast today. The gospel is this. 
God made everything perfect. He made us in perfect relationship with him. And our forefather and mother chose to sin and reject him. There was one rule in the garden. I'm God and you're not. I will tell you what right and wrong is. My way is the way. Follow me. Trust me. You don't need to know what good and evil is because I'll tell you. And we rejected that. And the moment that Adam rejected that, like through our line, right? And we understand this. It's like a mother that, you know, takes drugs during a pregnancy, right? It can affect the baby just like that. It's come through the line of humanity and it's affected us and it's diseased us with this disease called sin. And this disease shows itself in a lot of symptoms. It's, it's the evil we do. It's the hatred, the strife, but it's also the insecurity, the brokenness, the discontentment. And no matter how much we try, we can't fix it. And the crazy thing is we've sinned against the holy God. What that means is, is we have made it, committed a crime against him. And God has said that not only do we have to, li- you know, we're living in the consequence of that sin, but when we die, we will face judgment for the evil that we have done. Well, I'm a pretty good person. You're not good enough because the standard is perfection. The Bible says that our best days, our best actions compared to a perfect holy God is like filthy rags. It's not good enough. And so thousands of years since that moment, since that decision as sin has creeped its way through the line of humanity, we have seen its effects as the creations walked away from the creator. We have chaos and hate and discontent and murder and rape and all of the stuff that's happening in this world. And so what did we do? When we were separated from God, we started to try to find ways back to God. We created religions to get to God, to get right again. And we, we can't. It doesn't work. And religion doesn't work. It doesn't make us good enough, and we know it. And so what happened is when we couldn't go to God, God came to us. God himself sent his son, Jesus Christ. God made flesh, came to the earth, born of a virgin to prove that he is what he said. He is supernatural. God himself, perfect man. And God, he lived a perfect life, taught us how to live. And then he did something incredible. He died on the cross and took your sins and mine. The world sins on him. He gives us an opportunity to be different and new. He died under the weight of that sin, a terrible physical death, but also in a way as spiritual as the father turned his back on him. He was raised from three days later, where 500 witnesses attested this to prove he is who he said he was. He defeated death so that we can too. And here's the promise that God gives you, that sin, that disease you have. Jesus tried to explain that you can't fix it yourself. You keep trying to clean the outside of the cup up and, that's, and think it'll clean the inside. He says it's got to be the other way around, inside out. But you can't clean the inside. He can. The Bible says if you'll come to God, reverse the decision of Adam and Eve today and say, you're God and I'm not. Forgive me for what I've done. Then he will offer you newness and life and forgiveness. He will not just do that one time. He will seal you with his Holy Spirit, transform you into a saint that cannot be taken from you ever, even if, you, even if I mess up again, even if you mess up again, if you genuinely believe and put your faith in him, he will never let go of you. The Bible says if you confess through the lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be safe, period. You don't have to fix yourself first. You have to just trust and believe in him. There's gonna be people up here willing to pray with you. If that's you, stop running. Stop settling for old. Be new today. Don't worry about whether people look at you or see you or whether they're going to think they're better than you. All those lies that go in your head, it's between you and God today. You have the next few minutes and altar time. This is a holy place to come before God and get right. And if you're in this room and you're a believer but you've been living old, why don't you take this time to tell God I'm done and I'm going to put on the new and I'm going to live my life that way. I'm going to make not just a hopeful resolution, but I'm going to make a guaranteed change to newness. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.